Hi everyone, I'm Nicola Tangen and today we are releasing a bonus episode. We are going to cover a topic that almost all our guests have mentioned, namely psychological safety. But what does it mean and how can a leader or employee create this in his or her team? This is what we will try to find out today because we are so lucky to have the world-leading expert on the topic, Amy Edmondson, the Harvard professor, with us. This is a really fascinating conversation, so stay tuned. Very welcome, everybody. Uh, today it's uh, it's a big day. It's a bit like New Year's Eve for me because uh, we have Amy Edmondson here today, and she was on my reading list when I was doing my masters in social psychology. No. Yes. Wow. <laughs> um, so just to make sure we are on the same page, um, for the people who don't know much about it, what is actually psychological safety? It describes a climate of a group where people believe that candor is welcome. Hmm. And why is it so important? It's so important because today nearly all of us do knowledge-intensive work. We do work that requires problem-solving and creativity and innovation and catching and correcting errors so that the, the quality of the work is, is not harmed. And that kind of work is dependent on our ability to notice things and to have ideas and to offer them. Mm. And so if you don't have it in an organization, what happens then? Two big risk factors. Right? One is that you will have preventable business failures, that you will launch products that a handful of people knew were not going to work, but they mm. were afraid to speak up. Um, another is, is that you will fail to innovate. So they're related problems, but you know, one relates to kind of visible, sometimes catastrophic business failures, bad decisions that got made that didn't need to get made. And the other is harder to see, but shows itself over time. Like we're just not innovating. We're not coming up with the new ideas and services and products that customers want. And slowly but surely, we become less relevant in the market. Hmm. So that was where he came into my studies uh, on the creativity side. But why why do you become more creative by having this? Well, you become more creative not as an individual, mm. for sure. I would not say that. But you become more creative as a team. Mm. Because a team is creative when it's able to access the diverse expertise and ideas of its members. And, you know, all of us are smarter than any one of us kind of thing. And especially for innovation, where you might have an idea, eh, it's kind of half-baked, but then it makes me think of something else and then someone else and then we're sort of tying these ideas together and we ta it takes us somewhere new. So teams will be more creative when people are unencumbered mm. and they're not worried about, oh, how do I look? Is that, is that going to be, are people going to like that idea or are people going to reject me for saying that? So um, tell us about some companies where it really works well. Well, I would say one of the one of the more delightful companies where it works well is Pixar, yeah, right, which is in the innovation domain. It's in the innovation space. Every time, you know, their products are creative films that delight people of all ages mm -hmm. and that are not just good storytelling, but beautiful computer graphics mm. and storytelling and you know color and ideas. And this company has really accomplished the remarkable feat 
of hit movie after hit movie after hit mm. movie. Right? So they've been they've been persistently innovative. The only way this actually works is that they have trained themselves to be unafraid to criticize the evolving product. Right? Mm-hmm. When, when the movie is just partway there, it's boring in parts, it's sappy in parts, right? it's not good enough yet. But in organizations, sometimes it's not very easy for people to say, especially in hierarchies, mm-hmm. ah, this just isn't working for me. Because it doesn't seem very nice to say things like that, and they so they've created processes and norms whereby you got to criticize the heck out of it. Mm. We get to do that behind closed doors, so that by the time it gets out for prime time, it's ready to go. Mm. So let's say now you're a new CEO in a company. How do you how do you go about establishing this? I'm going to say something I don't usually say, but you start with passion. Yeah, you start with the passion about who the company serves. And why it matters, mm. right? So you're talking about the purpose, really, why it matters that we exist, and why I personally am excited uh, to be here and to be leading this organization so that we can do X, Y, and Z. I'm um, so you said that you normally don't yeah. start with passion because yeah. I think passion is completely underrated. I I do too, I do too. But it's just you know, it's not the first thing you think of when you think of psychological safety. And I'm saying more important, I think it's really important to create psychological safety. Which another way to talk about that is a learning environment. Yeah. Really important. But learning for what? Because learning is effortful. Speaking up is effortful. Taking risks is effortful. So the first job, job one, is that passion about who we are, whom we serve, and why it matters. Mm. Then the leader has to be very humble, right? So you're passionate and humble at the same time. Humble about the fact that I'm passionate about where we're going. I don't know how to get there. Mm. Right? I need your help. Right? I have some ideas, and I will be listening. You know, I will be all ears. So mm. they're they're conveying the message that they know that they are dependent on the brilliant men and women working for them, and then they are overt in their quest to learn more. They ask good questions. They lead good team processes. Mm. Um, they empower and um, enable others in the organization to ensure that there's the right kinds of training programs or structures or systems to kind of help people have great teams and um, create learning environments throughout. Mm. Because as a leader, I, depending on the size of the company, I don't get to interact with everybody mm. um, directly anyway, but I can ensure that I can try to set a model whereby those who are interacting with others directly are showing up with a similar level of energy and humility, curiosity um, about harnessing people's ideas and perspectives. Mm. You often say that you that leaders need to show weakness and that yeah. make mistakes. Uh, so first of all, you need to be pretty confident to yes, do that, right? Yes, you do right? exactly. Yeah. But listen to what you just said. It's 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 so it's almost paradoxical, right? Yeah. That showing weakness is actually a sign of confidence. Yeah. And I think intuitively we understand that. Yeah. Like when someone, you know, there's a little part of our brain that worries. Well, if I if I admit a mistake, then people will think I'm incompetent or less good at something. When in fact they go, wow, you know, she's confident enough to say, oh, I got that wrong. I got that wrong. Right. So there's a confidence in being willing. Uh, to say, I missed that. I didn't mm. see that coming. Then uh, there's also the reality that any leader is vulnerable. I mean, every, any individual is vulnerable mm. to the actual uncertainty in our environment. In, in other words, anything can happen. Mm. Right? A, a global pandemic can happen that I didn't see coming. And so if you once you recognize that vulnerability 
is a fact, not a choice, then you realize that your only choice is whether or not you admit it. Mm. And I think it's a sign of strength to admit it. I think it's also interesting that, I mean, you speak to somebody like Rachel Botsman, she claims that when you admit mistakes, um, you also establish trust. Yes. So it works in many yep. different ways. Right? That's right. Yeah, in a funny way, you're more likable. Absolutely. And I mean, nobody, trust- nobody, likes, nobody likes perfect people. Nobody likes perfect people. Nobody likes a know-it-all. Transparency is another thing you talk about. Why is that so important? Transparency is important in part because of trust, right? It comes mm. back to trust. When you are being transparent, you are more trustworthy. You've, you've put it all out there. It conveys the reality which you need others, right? Mm. Sort of here's what we're up against. I always think that the, you know, the art, the, the leadership challenge is how to be transparent about reality, which is sometimes grim, without making people despondent. Mm. And so you have to be transparent. You know, here we are, here's this global pandemic. This is what we're up against while also conveying hope. And that's the creative part, I think, while also saying, I believe that if we work together, we can get through this, Mm. you know, for the following reasons. One thing you don't um, talk so much about is humor. It's true. And in the fund, we start all the leadership group meetings with, uh, you know, a short, funny video clip. And it's a leveler. It's shown that it's, uh, it creates more creativity and uh, it gets people to relax. And so why are you not spending more time on that? I don't know. I mean, I think that's a tremendous point. I mean, I should. I, I, I've experienced all those things you just said and I, I, I haven't studied it. I haven't. Um, but you're right. I haven't emphasized it. The only thing to keep in mind with humor is that um, I think it's a great leveler. I think it's a great energizer. And you have to be very aware that it's not um, humor that is mocking others. Absolutely. Self-deprecation is fine. In fact, powerful. Um, And just sort of human condition humor is fine. Mm. But the kind of humor, and you often do see it in work environments, that is inadvertently jeering at at, at someone or at a a group um, is does exactly the opposite. It makes makes people feel more anxious and and less comfortable. Yeah, I think you need to be careful with irony because it can really fire the wrong way. And sarcasm. Sarcasm is actually... No, it's it's like, it's a no. It's a it's a big no. Yeah. So and I'm guilty, right? I, I will occasionally be sarcastic because it's an easy one. Right? Absolutely. So bad news for the English, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you talk about all this, but at the same time, I mean, you read, you know, Machiavelli and mm. claims that fair is pretty good. And um, you see some of the big, some of the really classic, big, fantastic CEOs, you know, yeah. um, Apple, Walt mm-hmm. Disney, you know, Henry Ford. Um, yeah. Now, they've been successful. There wasn't much psychological no, safety there. Not at all. Not at all. How come? Well, uh, different answers for different people. Yeah. Um, and, and, and probably with, with Ford and Jobs, they have in common that they're both geniuses. Yeah. Um, and I like to say, and, you know, and Ford, you know, Ford was a leader at a time when the name of the game was to sort of tame complexity, mm. get people in line, not listen to them, make them follow the formula that you and your Frederick Taylor buddy came up with, and that was the way to get excellence. You know, at the so dawn. So ta- Taylor of, invented the Taylorism, or yes, yes, very strict yeah, way the, of working, the sort of right? So-called scientific management, right? Yeah. Which, which um, worked when, again, when the project was to tame complexity and and mm. and conquer production at scale. 
but in a in a sort of knowledge intensive work that management style would not work now we we come to jobs right so steve jobs yeah. was sort of famously unkind to different points of view not known to be a great listener and yet really one of the most successful companies um, in history mm. there is a way to think about that that apple succeeded in spite of that, not because of that. So I like, you know, there's two counterfactuals that you can do. One is, if you think you're Steve Jobs and you're always going to have the best answers and the best designs and the right everything um, and you want to boss people around and tell them to just do it your way and yell at them if they don't and you think that, that you can get away with that, by all means, go for it. I'm skeptical, right? I think it's unlikely. Um, and then the other is, you know, what, again, what could you have done if you listened a little more uh, in that in that setting, but let let me let's back up because there's this idea of and there's plenty of evidence of sort of not good people getting ahead. Yeah, I don't think we too many people are buying into that mode anymore. But here's the here's the sort of model I want to share. There's getting ahead, which is you know succeeding in your career, doing well in 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 the world and in society's mm. eyes, and then there's making a difference right? and we can we can fill out all four quadrants of that mm, model mm. I mean you can like not get ahead not make a difference and that's sad but but frequent right and you can you know you can make a difference in the world but not get ahead you could be a healthcare worker toiling away mm. um, you know really having an impact on people's lives but not in any way having sort of success God bless them Right? And you can be someone who gets ahead and has tremendous success but doesn't really make a positive difference in the world. Mm. I think where most of us would aspire to be is to get ahead and make a difference. Mm. And I think if you want to be in that quadrant, you do have to listen to others. And you do have to kind of keep holding yourself honest. Like, what am I missing? It's like the difference between I'm sure I'm right and I don't need to listen to anyone to, all right, I kind of think I'm right, but... Mm. What am I missing? Even selfishly, mm. I ought to care about what am I missing. Mm. So what can uh, what can the organization do and how do you go about? I mean, how, how what can the HR department, I know our HR yeah. department is really working on this and what 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 is the what is the thing they can do? Well, I I think they can keep emphasizing both the importance and the nature of the work we do. Mm. Right? So this is the kind of work that like depends on all of us to bring our A game. And by the way, our A game, it, we're not here as individuals running a, a, a race. We're here as team members coming up with new solutions every day to delight our customers, and that's a team sport. Right? So we're emphasizing that the nature of the work is it requires innovation, it requires problem solving, therefore, you know, it requires your brain, not mm. just your being here. Mm. And then probably importantly you know but both both modeling at the top the kinds of learning oriented behavior we need and then putting in place systems and structures and trainings and reminders mm. that just help us help people become more self-aware more other aware more curious mm. more about the quality of the work than about the self-protection i mean i think we are naturally about self-protection unless we overcome that. So I can see what the leader can do, but what if you, let's say now you're an, like a you know normal employee. Same thing. 
And you and you know, I just joined yeah. uh, the company, you know, yeah. Amy Edmondson uh, Limited, and we produce some <laughs> kind of gadgets. And yeah. here I come, straight from school. And uh, what can I do? Well, since you're new, I'm hoping you've got some new ideas that we haven't thought of yeah. before, right? So, so what you can do oddly is the same things that I can do. I'm the CEO and the founder of the company, um, and I think I should set the stage, and I think I should ask you questions, and I think I should respond productively. But guess what? You should do that too, right? You should say, hey, I got some, you know, I, I think we've never done work like this before. I've never done work like this before. This is pretty interesting. And you should ask questions of your new colleagues because you don't know them yet very well. You need to learn about them. You need to, you need to sort of connect with them. And you should respond productively to people when they say things you disagree with. You should say like, wow, that's an interesting perspective. I'd like to learn more. Mm. But so just take care. In other words, your job as an individual or as a CEO is to control the things you can control and not spend a whole heck of a lot of time worrying about the things you can't control. Mm. But your, your work, do you think it could have... Uh, so it, it resonates extremely well in the in the times we live in, right? Yes. Um, because we care a lot and everybody is politically extremely correct and... You know, we have yeah. to be very careful, and the young generation is more kind of psychologically uh, fragile, and and so on. Um, it's true. So, is it kind of symptomatic for the fact that we live in a culture where there is less focus on excellence and drive, and Ooh, you so know, on? see, I, I the way I'd like to think about it is that I mean, are we like really wet? We are, and if we want to truly be excellent, which I think we do, I mean, at least I do. We need to be learning-oriented because yeah. yesterday's excellence is not tomorrow's excellence. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's we're sort of we're we're playing a game where the where the challenges just keep intensifying and the goalpost keeps moving. So mm-hmm. the the only way to achieve excellence is through learning, and the only way to achieve learning is through speaking up and taking risks and trying new things. Yeah. But I think you know you you touched on this, this sort of fragileness or the the brittleness of we could say the younger generations or we could say many humans, and to me that's the biggest challenge that we have to overcome because if we're brittle we'll be tiptoeing and if we're tiptoeing we won't be doing great things. Hmm. I mean, it is interesting. Um, you know, Ival Harari talks about an environment where we need to be uh, you know more agile. Um, Have, yeah. have more confidence, uh, you know, change more, uh, and and be more resilient. Yet other people, you know, Angela Duckworth and so on, says that the new generation has a lot less grit. So we need more grit, but we have less of it. Right. Uh, going forward. So we better get to work. Absolutely. Right. And and you know, how do you develop grit? I think you develop it um, through baby steps. I mean, you give whether younger people or anybody uh, the opportunity to kind of have a stretch assignment a stretch opportunity um, maybe something doesn't go well they have a they experience a failure and guess mm. what they don't die so then they learn oh that wasn't so bad right? i mean part of the challenge with many young people is that they haven't had a failure experience they've had nothing but good marks they get a trophy for coming out for the sport rather than for being the winning team in the mm. league and there's this um When when you have had less experience failing, you have more fear of failing. Mm-hmm. So we got to give them opportunities to fail in a safe way, to then go, hey, that wasn't so bad. What's next? Mm. How does it fit in with um, with feedback and the importance of feedback culture? Oh, crucial. I mean, feedback 
uh, feedback is probably the most important activity for learning. And psychological safety is the kind of climate in which learning can happen. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm more receptive to feedback when I'm in a more psychologically safe work environment. But feedback is critical. And, And the challenge of feedback is none of us really like it. I mean, yep. We all need it, but none of us like it. And in organizations, a lot of times it's not very high quality for one of two reasons. Either the person giving it hasn't really thought very carefully about it, they aren't really being data-driven or concrete in their feedback, or they believe you don't want to hear it or nobody wants to hear it, so they just give, they sort of give you some nice, yeah, you did great. Um, oh, this is a small thing, but, no, you know, and they barely mention it. So you go, wow, I'm great. You walk away. It wasn't very useful. I mean, it was nice. You had a nice conversation, but you didn't learn anything. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's a tough one. How do you get feedback in the best possible way? <laughs> well, it's... Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward, to the, fe- I'm not looking forward yeah. to the feedback well, after right, this right, podcast, right, by the husband, way. Yeah, my husband gives it to me. Um, he's probably, sometimes my, my, my grown sons give it to me as well. Um, I, one, of the, one, of the, one of the downsides of being more successful in any career, I suppose, but in an academic career is you become more insulated, yeah. right? People might, you know, they might, my father used to say um, years ago, and I used to get good grades in school, and he would say, uh, your teachers are just scared of you now, right? They're, thanks, Dad, right? But, you know, no, I worked hard. And he was essentially saying they're giving you an A because they just are scared of you. I'm like, no, 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 not true. But honestly, it's a good question, and I think we all need it. None of us like it, but I think we're able to withstand it because of the greater joy of becoming more effective mm. at the things we care about. Mm. Do you think there is more um, psychological safety in societies where the power uh, ratio is lower, right? So there's less kind of power distance between the top and the bottom? Yes. On average, yes. Um, And you'll still see enormous heterogeneity. Mm. You'll see teams that are very, um, you know, have very low psychological safety, maybe because they just have a... A, a, a tyrant or a bully as, as the leader or so when you look at corporate structures yeah. so for instance in the Nordic region is really flat right uh, as you've seen it's uh, whilst, much, whilst, yeah. whilst in Germany or France there is much more hierarchy and yes. you know like a huge power distance yep. do you feel uh, do you think there is less safety there yes and not just at the bottom right it's mm. the, you know the top is anxious too because they know you know, I'm at the top of this hierarchy or I'm near the top of this hierarchy. I'm supposed to know things. And, you know, when you have a deep belief Mm. in the hierarchy and in the roles that are represented in that hierarchy, then you have a kind of anxiety about the gaps that you know you have, but Mm. you believe them to be undiscussable. Mm. What about gender differences? You know... um, one the one robust gender difference um, that that I've found and seen in other data um, that relates to psychological safety is, um, on average, and again there's always variance, but on average women are less likely to speak up with with something uncertain um, at the same level of confidence as a man. And mm. so um, you know a man might be you know. Well, I'm not quite sure this is right, but they'll say it anyway. A, a woman will often put the threshold for when is it okay to speak up quite a bit higher. Yeah. How does it uh, change when you're working from home? What are the <laughs> what are the challenges here? You know, it's funny because on the one hand, 
you're comfortable at home, right? Yeah. So there's a kind of home isn't scary for most people, yeah. unfortunately. But on the other hand, the technology that mediates our communication is a hurdle for candor and honesty and jumping in. Mm. Uh, so there's there's a there's a potentially in fact we're seeing this depressing effect of at the very least people working from home are less likely to be collaborating with people they haven't worked with before. Mm. They're also less likely to be teaming up across silos, you know, organizational silos than mm. than they were before the pandemic started. Mm. So it's like we're still collaborating, sending lots of emails, I'm having lots of meetings, but slowly but surely I've been having fewer meetings with new people and new employees are getting less mentoring and less mm. exposure to people they didn't know because of the casual interactions are gone. Yeah, I've seen research also that if you already are insecure, this way yeah. of working just makes you more insecure. Oh, that's a good point. It's a very um, good point. And you take yeah. up every, you know, every comments, yeah. you take them in the absolutely worst possible. Right, uh, right. and you have too much right. time to stew over it, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, what are you working on for the moment? Well, I'm working on a new book called Right Kind of Wrong, The yeah. Science of Failing Well. And you know, this is it's very it's it's related to psychological safety. And maybe what it does, where psychological safety describes the nature of the environment, the climate that we need to innovate and problem solve together. This book looks at some of the sort of technical details of of failing well. Like what is, what does mm-hmm. a good failure look like compared to a bad failure and how do we avoid the bad failures and how do we increase the frequency of of the good failures? Mm-hmm. And then I dig into three competencies that I think are 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 necessary not just for failing well but for thriving in the new world. And one is self-awareness, one is situation awareness, you know what kind of context is this? What are mm-hmm. the stakes and so forth? How much uncertainty? And then the third is system awareness. Like mm-hmm. Trying to overcome our very natural tendency to be preoccupied with me and now so that I can be interested in you know, the larger system and later. Mm-hmm. Now we have um, thousands of um, young people listening to this podcast and what is the advice you give to your students before you send them out in the world? <laughs> Aim high. Yeah. Right. Go for gold, right? Play to win, don't play not to lose. And it's very human and very spontaneous to play not to lose by which I mean, you know, it's like non-growth mindset, only engage in things you know you can win. Uh, but go for the things that you may not win, uh, which is of course related to grit but aim high if you are really passionate about solving some important problems in the world you can't do it alone so team up mm-hmm. team up with people who are different than you that's not easy so there will be failure along the way that's okay fail well learn fast repeat aim high team, team up, up fail fa- well learn fast repeat sounds like um, <laughs> sounds like some good rules to have Well, Easier said than done. That's for sure. Well, it's been amazing to have you on. Um, we are going to take this uh, back home and uh, you know work on it. And a big thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs>